Hello and welcome to this FT Advisor in Focus podcast, where we will be discussing mental health and how to look after it. The winter season is traditionally a time when mental health becomes more of a concern for people, and financial services is often seen as being on the front line in responding to this. Not only do advisors form a relationship of trust with their clients, and are typically called upon at big life events, the regulator too expects the industry to be aware of any signs of vulnerability in clients and how to respond accordingly. So, what issues do advisors typically come across and what does good practice look like when it comes to dealing with mental health? With me here to discuss this today are Patricia McGurr, Chief Marketing Officer Officer at Finance Group, Rob Heath, Wealth Director at Iron Market Wealth, and Gaurav Shukla, CEO at mortgage advice firm HomeMe. Hi all, thanks for being here today. Morning. Morning. Um, Rob, let's start with you. Um, How... Do you handle mental health in a workplace? What sorts of issues have you come across and do you have any preventative policies in place? Yeah, so I guess it's a, it's a really good question and, and we, we do come across it and we've, we've seen it many, many times. Um, some of the things that we, that we try and help and put in place with our team, we have a, an internal employee support hub and that allows our, our people, you know, they're core to our business. Um, so ensuring we are focusing on their mental health is really, really important to us. So, so you know, one of the key things we've done with our with our with our team is is create and and use an an internal wellbeing hub, and that that allows our our staff to go on and look at things that they can use and support. You know, webinars, podcasts, uh, classes, guidance, just general support around around mental health, mental wellbeing, and physical wellbeing. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Gaurav? Um, what's your what's your view on mental health in the workplace? Yeah, so it's um, again, it's very important. Um, you need the advisors and the work staff and admin to open up and talk. And the only way they'll do that is if they feel comfortable in the workplace to do so with the team. So one of the things we do is we have a team meeting every two weeks, but the other one that we have each week is just a coffee chat. Uh, we obviously work remote. Um, which is good in its own way, but we also do socials. Mm-hmm. But I leave it up to the team to decide what we want to do, what they want to do. Um, and I think one of the key things I did in the very beginning when we did go remote is I opened up to them and showed them my vulnerability side as well. Mm-hmm. That would then open the the rest of the team up to talk and just talk openly about everything they're dealing with, especially during the mortgage market when the rates kept going up with little or no notice and they're overworking and also so we would just do timeout periods that they could just tell me if they're overworked right there's no issues we'll just stop what you're doing we'll help we'll get some people to help you around um it's important it's the most important thing for me is that they're comfortable to talk um and i need to make sure that everyone's comfortable doing so so we do a lot of stuff around each individual show them our human side it's not just work Mm-hmm. And when you when you said you've um, you've shared your vulnerable side with them as well, does that mean you've shared something personal about yourself, or or how? What, what did you mean by that? Yeah, so all all it is is telling them more about me and myself and things potentially things going on at home with my little one, mm-hmm. just anything we're looking to do that we've not been able to achieve. What stressed me out? Um, just tell them more about me essentially and that would open them up to speak about their own personal stuff if they're comfortable doing so and i was hoping that it would open them up a bit more which it did um which is great so we're all in the same boat we're all there to help each other out some other people may have experienced certain situations which they would then talk about so i can pick up 
things that they did to help them and I can do it. We just work with each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Patricia, you've you've actually got quite a lot of experience in uh, mental health and handling it. Um, yeah. What's what's your advice on dealing with mental health in the workplace? Oh, well, I mean, I just first of all want to say it's absolutely wonderful um, to hear Rob and Gaurav talk about, you know, the, the, the culture within um, the business. I mean, I came into um, brokering and lending um, late on in life, having spent 20 years in the property industry as an investor. But prior to that, I have 15 plus years in the NHS as a senior mental health nurse specialist. So, um, so mental health and... Uh, and how it fits into the workspace and how it fits into, you know, just our general lives, you know, is absolutely, you know, I, I guess it's it's been my my stock in trade, you know, for very, very many years. Um, and and as I say, I think the 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 key that's here is is making it a safe space um for employees to um to say they have struggles or that they have things they're concerned about. And I and I think we have to remember that um workplace stress um, is often made worse if there are also family life stresses, you know. And the pandemic, if it's taught us anything, is that people felt um, not just worried about loved ones and worried about themselves and their livelihood, but they felt increasingly isolated. And so whilst people are still working from home right now, um, there is more of a need, I think, to try and still create a really good um, business culture uh, and uh, and it's funny because I'm actually going on a social tonight with our team. So so just you know taking it outside and seeing your seeing your team members as as individuals, um, as people outside of the the workplace environment. Again, those are really really critical mm -hmm. um, things. And and mental health doesn't have to be serious. You know, it's sometimes the, it's it's um, often what we call it the death by a thousand cuts. Um, your mental health can progressively worsen over a significant period of time if you don't actually deal with some of the smaller things um, that build up. And, you know, it's a bit like being chronically unwell. Um, sometimes it gets to the stage when it becomes so big and so burdensome that the smallest thing can sort of tip you over the edge. Mm -hmm. So helping people recognise, helping people be aware and finding a safe space or someone safe to speak to, they're absolutely critical um, with your team. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. to build on both, both points, really, um, I guess it's... You know, to, to allude and elaborate on some really important factors, and Patricia touched on it there, but the small things, the really small things, but having that flexibility. So we're office-based and, and have been other than the period of the pandemic, and I think since the pandemic, um, through media, companies, the industry in general, there's been a lot more focus around mental health, mental well-being. But I think back to the company starting 10 years ago and always having that flexible approach with, with our staff in terms of think simple things like appointments, childcare, milestones, nativity this time of the year, let, you know, giving people the freedom and the ability to go to those things, sports days, a you know, big one in our family for my two boys. Um, it, they're very, very small things, but they're small things that make a big impact on, on people um, and families. So, so when you can be supportive to, to your team in that respect, um, it, it really, really helps to, you know, the, the want to come to work first and foremost, but stops any sort of build-up of challenges that may further down the line lead to, to mental health challenges. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your firm, um, Iron Market, is is quite a big firm, isn't it? Um, do you? I mean, do you feel? Do you feel that you have a responsibility towards your staff to to make them aware early on that you know they they can always come and speak that nothing has to build up to the point where it becomes a problem? Absolutely. As I said at the start, it's one of our key priorities. Um, the fact of the matter is, that our our staff are core to our business. Without them, there wouldn't be a business. They create the experience that out for our members that that allows us to be as successful as we are. So them feeling comfortable, firstly in the workplace, um, and then knowing that they can come. And, it's a really old cliche, but the door's always open, and and it is always open. Mm. We're, we're we're really fortunate in in our senior leadership team that. We've experienced lots of significant events in our life, you know, loss of loved ones, children, redundancy, as I touched on there myself, my own mental health um, challenges, which I think then helps to support, similar to what Gurav said, uh, people, when they know that you've been exposed to that yourself, um, it allows you to be um, potentially more understanding, supportive, empathetic, um, and help to guide people in the right direction certainly no expert but guide people in the right direction but more importantly than all that is knowing that they can come and speak to you from 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 that from that standpoint is really really important in my opinion yeah absolutely um now all of these things that your staff may go through yourself may go through obviously your clients may go through uh, too and a lot of an advisor's job involves dealing with a lot of people and clients and being around when they lose somebody, when big life event happens, uh, big life changes happen. Um, Patricia, when it comes to spotting signs of mental health issues or vulnerability in clients, how do you spot them and how, how are you meant to adapt your service? Well, one of the things we've done um, within finance uh, is is we have a specific um, vulnerable persons champion. It just happens to be me, um, but but again, that spreads out to the rest of the team. Um, and again, it's not much different when you're dealing with clients as it is to when you're dealing with your own staff. It's it's creating um, a safe place wherein people are are they feel like they're being treated as human beings. Um, and it's not just enough, I think, these days to ask specifically about you know, what are their borrowing um, needs and, uh, you know, what is their proof of ID and you look for the documentation and, of course, we've got to be very compliant. But it's having a conversation with person, uh, you know, the person that you're dealing with, which is about what are their goals? You know, what are they, what are their purchases about? You know, what is the big life event that's either leading to this, to this purchase or as a result of them maybe downsizing and wanting to refinance? It's talking to people as human. Uh, and and it's also remembering uh, again as 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 Rob has just said it's sometimes remembering the smallest things you know when someone says um, I, I'm going to be away for a fortnight uh, I'll get back to you with the documentation it's my daughter's wedding it's just even just recognizing something as simple as saying hey you know congratulations on that you know how are you feeling about it where are you going it's it literally is creating a culture of genuine um, care for a person. Um, sometimes uh, there is a fallacy and there de definitely is a fallacy in most industries that people with mental health challenges or who are vulnerable um, are wearing a great big sign and it's always very obvious. 
the reality is, um, you know, I use this phrase a lot when I'm doing training around mental health uh, and about repossessions, which is one of my specialties. Um, and I say strong hearts break in silence. Uh, and I think a lot of men in particular will recognise this, that um, often we, we, we are so worried about burdening other people with our challenge that we mask it very, very easily. You know, we smile readily. Uh, we say everything is fine. Uh, and you use those phrases because it is easier to say those things than actually um, admit because you're worried you're going to break down. And I think one of the simplest ways for someone is to say, you know, rather than just is everything OK, just let us know if you can help help with something. I say it's just to treat people like human beings. It's to uh, it's to ask. It's to be aware uh, when people are a bit fuzzy with some of the details um, or they mention there's a big significant life event. So maybe spend an extra just 30 seconds just chatting to someone around what's going on in their life. Mm. Um, and certainly as someone who's dealt with um, suicide and self-harm for many, many, many years, um, sometimes people, you just need you to ask that question twice. Um, so when you say, is everything okay? Um, you, you seem to have been challenged with some stuff. It sometimes is just saying, are you really okay? Um, it's asking it twice. And sometimes that just gives people a space to have a little think and a bit of a breath. And they feel able to say something. Um, and again, the big thing is the culture. We've mentioned the culture. The culture of your organization isn't what you say on your policy. Your culture of your organization is what you do, what your staff do, and how your clients experience your service. And there's no substitute for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gaurav, um, I appreciate your mortgage advisors. You may not necessarily be involved in things like funeral planning and things like that, but... Um, What's your experience with um, clients with um, vulnerability? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we have uh, different sort of clients. So when they come to purchase a property, some of them may have received an inheritance in order for them to buy a property. Uh, and that could be as soon as two months ago, three months ago, losing a lost one, a loved one is big, is massive, mm -hmm. um, especially when they're really close to them. So it's how do we deal with customers in that position? that situation we don't differ any other customer from someone as Patricia said you sometimes you just can't notice it or see it so we treat every single customer the exact same as if everyone is vulnerable just because you don't know how they're actually feeling they're not going to open up in certain situations as clients so what we do with them is we offer them the chance to either have a video call with us as most of us are remote or if they want to meet us in the office we'll go to the office and meet up with them and we'll just have a normal chat as Patricia said it's treating everyone as human um, I've worked in several places where it's more about just dealing with clients and move them along, get the next one, move along. The culture we have here is every single client needs the same amount of care. We don't work on a volume basis. We work with giving the customer the service they need. Um, and a lot of first-time buyers have a lot of stress <clears throat> when they're buying a property and they have so many questions. And there's several instances where they may speak to a, an advisor or broker and they don't reply for a few days and that causes so much stress with the buyer the first time buyer, where they don't know what the situation is or what the update is so one thing we do here which is which we'll keep doing and i instill in all the advisors that we have an admin is reply back to the client the same day whether it's in the evening just respond to because then that will cause 10 hours of no stressing out for mm -hmm. the person overnight when they're thinking all over the all over the place so we give them that reassurance that everything's answered everything's done how they need it to be done they get all the updates when required and in the right frame in the right time frame it just makes the journey easier for them they don't need to worry and stress out and when you're buying a property as a first time buyer it can be very stressful mm -hmm. um 
and even when you're moving home as well, when you've got an inheritance to pay towards a deposit, there's so many things going on. We just give the customer the chance to talk to us and we'll have conversation with customers that are an hour long just talking. Um, but they just open up. We can really see how we can help them more. And it's just understanding that they're just a, a person that we're speaking to and will eventually become friends during the journey. So treat everyone the exact same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just to build on both of those points, absolutely spot on. And I think it's, it's maybe something within our industry where I think it can really differentiate you between between different companies around that relationship building, getting to know your your, your client or your member. In our example, um, it's really, really important. It's, we we have a belief. It's not just about managing wealth reports annual reviews it's it's more about a mutual partnership a, a deep relationship where you know what drink they take birthdays anniversaries milestones holiday destinations so invariably at times of struggle because you've built that relationship um our members feel comfortable talking to us about those things um so, so it's a really really important point that that patricia and guru have both made about going a bit deeper than just being transactional it's actually it's really really important that you your um, your clients and your members feel confident to be able to have those kind of conversations mm-hmm. and how do you make a client comfortable and how do you how do you make like, make sure a client knows that you know that, that they can be comfortable around you and tell you everything it becomes down to that the trust and and the relationship and as i said there making sure that you come over as a human first and foremost. It's not a, a sales because again, I think you know, good. I've touched on it there about the how can we get a quick a quick sale that you've seen previously in different different parts of the of industries. It, it's that relationship, that mutual partnership, the trust, um, and it and it doesn't happen overnight, which is why it has to start from the minute that member walks through our door. That relationship starts from that point, so that in the event of a a life-changing event happening, whether it be the loss of a loved one um, or, or anything redundancy, they already that trust is already built. It can't start at that point because if it starts at that point, then it's not going to have the same benefit. Mm-hmm. You, know, we, we, you know what we will do if we know one of our members has suffered a life-changing event and maybe a critical illness or the loss of a loved one. We will definitely increase the amount of communication, whether that be a text here, a phone call, a visit to the home, a visit to our office where there's more people. Um, but that trust has already started from the minute they walk through the door to, to come and speak to us for a wealth need. Um, but as I said, it, 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 it formulates much, much deeper than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, this is a, the particular time of the year as well, which um, is a very good, nice warm time for some but a very isolating um, time for others I was once told by by financial advisor that Christmas or the Christmas period is where he does most of his funeral work Um, it seems to be taking over at that time of the year Um, what's your what's your experience with kind of your client service how it might change over Christmas so so firstly just to your first your first point that isn't something that I or we've experienced it may be down a little bit to to the demographic of your of your client or your, your member base for us um but I, I guess my view is it's always important to be mindful 
Um, I think you touched on it there. In my view, this time of year, Christmas time, celebration, you know, families coming together, it, it's a time to really rejoice and enjoy. But for a lot of people, it's the reverse. It's a time of reflection. Um, maybe, obviously, that you know, the last couple of years have been difficult financially. You haven't got those presents that your, your children have asked for, and that's playing on your mind. So I think it's be mindful at this time of the year about those situations and then the conversations that you have, um, whether it be with members or, or family. Um, going back to your point, and, and sorry, uh, Patricia's point, just asking them if they're okay. I, I use my dad as an example. Um, since we lost my mum three years ago, my dad really struggles in the winter. Um, Christmas, yes, but the winter in general. He's an active guy, likes going out walking, likes getting in the garden, likes watching my boys play football. It's too cold at the moment, it's getting a bit old, so it's too cold for his joints. It, it, you know, football's cancelled, no point gardening this time of the year. So he really struggles because he's spending a lot of time in isolation in the house that he's been in for 40 years with my mum who's no longer there. So, so it's picking up on the on the signs and just increasing the communication. You know, I speak to my dad now every night driving home, and very quickly within the first ten minutes, I can gauge his mood, which means I'm either going straight home or I'm dropping in at the house on the way way back for a coffee, uh, just just to see how he's feeling. So I think that's us with 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 you know reverting that into a business sense. It's picking up on those telltale signs and letting. Your, your people or our members or, or family members know that we're here if you, if you need us to talk mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Patricia, what's your um, view on this? Have you come across the this, this seasonal kind of extra, um, I suppose, toughness on um, clients? And yeah. Other people? I, I as, Rob, as Rob said, it's back to, um, you know, this time of the year can be, a, 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 you know, an absolute you know, time of joy for some people and a time of dread for others. Um, you know, one of the things that that we do, we do a weekly deal clinic, and that gives the, that gives our staff a chance not just to talk about the nuts and bolts of cases, but to actually talk about um, how the clients are feeling about the pro the progress of their particular um, case. Um, and because we, uh, you know, we deal primarily with um, property investors, you know, developers, that kind of stuff, business owners. Um, you know, we do do some retail work, but it's not the majority of our of our business. I think sometimes we feel that people who are in business are somehow more resilient. Um, the the reverse is absolutely true because when you are thinking about refinancing um, either some or all of your portfolio, or your refinancing is grinding to this time of the year when you're hoping it gets done before you know everybody shuts down for Christmas, it can be incredibly stressful. Um, for people who are relying um, on that deal closing or relying on that refinance coming coming in right now, and that doesn't just translate to them as a as an individual. It translates through to their to their family. It pervades every conversation they have. So as as Rob said, it's it's just about recognizing, um, and uh, and while you're giving seasons greetings to to all and sundry, um, it's just having that extra. You know how is. Now, how is John doing this week with his refinance? Have we been in touch with him? Have we communicated with him, not just by email, but has someone dropped a line? Um, keeping people informed as things move forward with their cases um, and just being very open and transparent. And if you get disappointing news, 
it's handling that really sensitively with people. No one ever wants to be the person that says that refinance that you were doing has been downvalued because that might have a knock-on effect to someone's direct income. Uh, and, and it's against that backdrop with the rates changes that we've been having and the cost of living crisis. It's, you know, there, there is still a lot of stress out there, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year. And I just think we have to remind ourselves that we live in challenging times. Um, and I think it is, you know, we've said it's about opening up conversations. That doesn't mean prying. It just means being that extra wee bit vigilant uh, and, and it's like seeing people where they are and how they feel they best like to communicate is a big thing as well. Some people actually like text, not because um, they can't face speaking to someone, but simply because they actually feel they can write their feelings and their thoughts down better um, than when they try to speak about it. Um, so one of the things we ask very simply is, are there any other needs that we need to be aware of that can make your situation or your case or how we help you um, any better? Um, and again, asking people how they prefer to be communicated with, how they prefer to be addressed and just taking all those things into consideration. But yes, we do see seasonal changes. And at the minute, there's a lot happening out there to get deals over the line. Um, and stress levels can be especially high mm -hmm. when you rely on that. So again, it's being sensitive, being vigilant, making sure your staff are well trained and well supported. Um, and when we have to deliver bad news, um, it's making sure that we do that in a very sensitive way and we listen to what the clients have to say about what their options might be. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, mental health in the workplace, how to deal with vulnerable people. Well, what about advisors' own mental health, uh, Patricia? Do you have any tips, I guess, on how advisors can manage their own mental health? Well, I think the first thing is is recognising um, and helping staff recognise what is stressful for someone may not be stressful for someone else. You know, I think sometimes we trivialise um, and, you know, it's almost like when you read the celebrities have stress, you know, how can they possibly be stressed? Well, the reality is how we respond to stress uh, and respond to circumstances uh, that are happening around us and within us. We, we don't get to choose how we respond. I mean, you can build some resilience, but that comes by recognising I don't feel great at the minute. And that could be reflected in performance to start with. So as a business, you know, one of the things you may see is performance is starting to suffer. Maybe people are missing things. And rather than going straight in and performance manage is to understand what's behind what's happening. So again, encouraging staff to just take that bit of a, step back about where they feel they need help um, and again putting in place measures to enable staff to take you know maybe a half day off it might be saying you know let's let's give some of your cases or help you co-work some cases let's look at your workload and let's look at if there are stuff that if there are things happening in the family you know is there stuff going on in your background that's actually making it difficult for you um, to, to, to do what you need to get done um, and as I say, performance management is very easy to go straight in with a sledgehammer to crack a nut. But one of the things that usually happens when people are feeling unwell, mentally, physically or emotionally, is that they stop, start to drop the ball on stuff at home as well as at work. And that's a big, big sign um, to look for. Mm -hmm. um, it's Again, it's a death by a thousand cuts. When you realise that's happening, um, we can be compassionate, but you do have to sometimes ask the question, in a very supportive way. But sometimes we do have to say, look, 
we've noticed this is happening. Um, let's just have a look at what's going on. What help do you need? What support do you need? What training do you need? And what can we put in place? Mm-hmm. What about you, Rob? How do you um, manage your own mental health? Me personally, I run. So I do a lot of running. Um, I find me being able to run, don't listen to music, don't listen to podcasts. I literally just run and you know, I try and do 30 minutes every day. And that's a time for me and my own thoughts. Um, helps me to think about work, helps me to think about if I've got a meeting, how I can you know, gauge what how I want to present. Um, but I've, I find that running helps me to release so many tensions but helps me to prepare so well for upcoming things that, that that's literally how I look after my mental health is running yeah that makes a lot of sense that um I recognize that a lot in my in myself as well and um, what about you Gaurav um how do you ensure that you don't get too stressed yourself um so I, I take some time out during the day um I know I work from home, so I've got a little one who's one, so I spend time with him, and that just takes me away from everything work-related for that short period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice little break from it. Um, but I, I go for walks around where I live. Uh, there's a lot of green space, which is nice. It's not just buildings and traffic and all sorts. It's just nice and peaceful. Listen to some music and go for a half-an-hour walk. Um, similar to Rob, Rob goes for a run. Um, I prefer not to run, so I just walk <laughs> instead. Um, um, and, yeah, it just it's just oxygen, just breath of fresh air is just um you get so many different thoughts and when you're in front of your laptop or your computer or in the office you're traveling a thousand miles an hour because you can see everything happening whereas when you're in your own space going for a walk it's 10 miles an hour you take step by step you just breathe and just look every look at everything around you um so yeah i just prefer to walk and listen to music mm-hmm. great um now just to finish off um what are your views on mental health in general and is the industry taking mental health seriously enough yeah well i think yes um i think you know generally mental health understanding and awareness it is is greater than it than it was two or three years ago you know pre pre-pandemic and, and i think more and more people are speaking openly in a public domain whether that be celebrities, sports people, but actually just general public are feeling more confident. I still think it's a little bit um, generational. I think it's a lot more relevant in younger people coming through and, and there's a lot more press around around mental health. Um, but I do think it's definitely a better understanding and awareness of the reach of social media, which helps with that. Although it, obviously we, we're aware it can be a hindrance for the wrong reasons at times so 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 i think you know generally yes in the in the industry and the in the workspace i've got a similar view but i also think it then comes down to your employer um i saw a stat recently that only 25 percent of um companies have got an, an employee well-being program for example so whilst that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that those other 75% haven't got an understanding or a focus on mental health, it would maybe indicate that there's some further measures that can be taken to uh, to improve it further. Mm-hmm. What's your view on um, the industry's um, handling of mental health, Patricia? Uh, again, I think there is a lot of really good stuff that's been happening. Um, I think we are much more aware... Um, of the need for us to take care of our own mental health as well as our, our employees' mental health. 
Um, I guess the, the, the difference that, uh, the, uh, of opinion that I would have was that we've still got a long way to go with um, understanding and being sensitive to the link between um, debt and mental health. Uh, I mean, I run a network called Repossession Rescue. I've had my own mental health struggles, a bit like Rob. I'm a, in spite of my experience as a mental health nurse, um, the, the, there are industries where mental health is notoriously poor and the NHS is one of them. Um, so, so I spend a lot of my time talking to people who have fa faced financial challenges, um, be they investors or business owners or homeowners. And I think we've still got a lot to do um, to recognise and remove the stigma of having financial difficulty uh, and how that impacts mental health. And just to give you a couple of really, you know, really quite um, stark statistics on this, um, 100,000 people a year who are um, in financial difficulty will attempt suicide, 100,000 people a year. And of that, 6,000 will succeed. Um, that tells me we still a long way to go um, in in meeting people where they're at when it comes to having challenges with their finances. And of course, we understand the market is difficult. The cost of living crisis has compounded that. Uh, and I think, as I say, both as employers, um, as well as people in the industry, we still got some work um, to do to, to remove that stigma. And I spend a lot of my time doing training um, on very much that subject uh, with employers as well as uh, as well as with clients. So, you know, we, we're doing a lot. I think it's great. Uh, we can do more. And uh, and, uh, and the, the way we can do more is just to normalise the conversation without stigma, without fear, without guilt and without shame. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's the big story is we have to continue that um, so people feel safe. Absolutely. Gaurav, over to you for final for final words. Yeah, so just um, going on the back of what Patricia said, um, normalising the conversations. Uh, there's a lot of people that have financial difficulties, especially with cost of living and their mortgage rates going up, especially with clients and also your own employees. Um, it's just, it's a very difficult period. I think we'll probably see the worst of it to come with everything once it settles. Um, just mortgage rates going up, energy bills going up, every single cost out there has gone up and it's just how can we help people with their budgeting with the debts that they have but the only way they'll open up is if they feel comfortable talking to you and i think a lot of it stems back to is that person you're dealing with comfortable to speak to you and open up whether that's a client or an advisor or even your own family members that you want to help out that aren't willing to speak how can you get them comfortable to open up and you talk to them so that you can help them there's a lot more we can do. I think it's going to continue. There's going to every single month, year, there's going to be more things we can do. Challenges will change. Um, we just need to adapt to it. Um, but the stat that Rob said, only 25% of companies out there have a wellbeing program. That needs to be much higher. That's still very, very low, um, considering how many businesses there are out there. That's very low. Um, so there's a, there's a lot more we can do, and we just need everyone to get on to the bandwagon of putting wellbeing programs in place and having little timeout clinics or however they want to call it to do so um there's a lot more work to do but i think we've got good people in the right positions that can have an influence in the challenges ahead that we can tackle um we just need to reach out to other business owners as well local areas and just stem out from there 
Absolutely. And that seems like a very good place to stop. Uh, thank you very much um, for um, joining us today and speaking so openly, sharing your views so openly. It was really, really good to talk to you. Um, and thank you for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., 